Thank you for listening to the Firelife Church Podcast. For more information on Firelife Church in Irving, Texas, please visit wearefirelife.org. We pray the Lord blesses you greatly through this message. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Great to see all of you guests. We're glad you're here. We pray that the Lord does something super special for you. Amen. Above what you could have asked for or thought about, imagined. Amen. You guys good? If you want to open your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, that's where we're going to, we're going to be in a lot of, a lot of places in the Word today. And I just want to put a plug in for the class on Sunday mornings, for its firm foundations to understand the Bible. And Shagoon teaches the class. And every week I hear from different people. You've got people that have been saved for a long time. You've got people that have known the Lord for a short time. And every person, every single person comes out saying, I'm learning something new and it's refreshing me. So if you're not part of the class, it's probably one of the most important things we do here, to be honest with you. Because if, if all of God's promises and his plans and his purposes for our life are in this book, we should probably study it more. Yeah. Like if, 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 uh, if man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God, then we should know this book better. Yeah. And so I, I find people often um, say, I don't like to read. <laughs> don't raise your hand. Let's, I don't like to read. People are like, I don't like to read. But you can, listen to, you can listen to anyone you want read the Bible to you. I mean, I like James Earl Jones reading the Bible to me. I don't know about you. It's just perfect voice. It's like, that's probably what God's voice sounds like, right? So have him read it. But then people are like, well, I don't like to read, but we'll scroll through Facebook and whatever else and read. We read way more than we think we do as we're scrolling. So read the word, study the word. Shagun's doing an amazing job. And I, I, amen, those that are in there are like, yeah, he's like, this is, this was, you were made for this. You were made for teaching the word. And so um, this, this is important. So if you're not in there, you need to be in there. There will be a day in the future uh, where serving in this house requires this class. It's that important because we need to know what we're talking about. We need to know, we need to know God and we need to know his word. So I wanted to put a plug in for that. So thank you those that are doing it. Um, yeah, just jump all in. Um, yeah. Well, why don't you bow your heads? We're going to pray. I'm going to ask the Lord to anoint me to say what he wants me to say and anoint our ears to hear. So Father, first we just, like, like Shagun said, we're thankful. We come to you with thanksgiving. We rejoice in your faithfulness and your goodness. That's our starting point, thankfulness. From that point, we see everything else clearly. And so God, I ask that today that your word would go forth, that it would produce what you want it to produce. You said in your word that you send your word and it does not return to you without fulfilling the purpose for which it was sent. Lord, I feel like today's an important day and I feel like you have a word for us. So I ask that you would accomplish it. If there's any fallow ground, if there are any weeds in my heart, if there are any birds of prey, we drive them away right now and we make room for your word. Would you pray that? Say, Father, I make room for your word today. Amen. So and uh, we'll get there in just a moment. First Corinthians chapter nine. Um, so I've been thinking about this for quite a few weeks now. And this will probably be a two-part uh, message, uh, so we'll probably hit part two next week. <clears throat> but I want to talk about purpose. Purpose. Not, I'm not throwing shade at anyone, but not purpose-driven life stuff. I'm talking about a purpose. Like, why were you created? 
Why are you here? Like, I, I, you know, there's, I was telling Mandy, like, I feel a call of God on my life to write. I always have. I used to write when I was young, and then I got away from it. I just didn't work with the discipline. Writing's a muscle. You have to work the muscle where you, you just lose the discipline it takes to write. And I honestly, I've stopped doing that. And I'm like, I don't want to write something that everyone else is writing. I don't want to, not just to be rebellious or different and just like, first of all, let's be honest. If I sell a hundred books of anything I write, that would be a miracle, right? That would be like me hitting a grand slam. I'll be happy with that. But the point is I was looking and almost everything you read, all of it's good, but there's very little about killing yourself, (laughs) not suicide, (laughs) crucifying the flesh, there's very little about that. Like in the Christian book world, in the Christian sermon world, almost everything is a, a positive, how to self-help, how to make yourself better, how to um, stir up your giftings. It's very one-sided. But, but Jesus teaches a very different gospel than what we teach. And his is like, well, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna be my disciple, you have to deny yourself. You have to pick up your cross and you have to follow me. You just have to. Like, you can do other things, but to go the way I'm going, that's the only way to go. And like Jesus would even make statements like, there's only one way to the Father, and it's through me, the Son. And he would say things like, I'm the gate, and I'm the door. There's only one way to enter into this. And guess what? The only way to really enter into the fullness of the kingdom and the purpose God has for our life is to die. And a few weeks ago, I read that uh, quote from, from, a, from a guy, I can't even think of his name right now, but, but he, was like, he was saying, we look at ourselves and we try to make ourselves better. And we take the scalpel out and, and we're not courageous enough to cut where it needs to be cut. So we cut the fat, we trim stuff that's obvious. We trim stuff that's on the edges, on the excess. And only God really knows where to cut. And even if we could find the place to cut, we wouldn't have the courage to do it. It would be too painful because to cut away and to kill our flesh would be to cut and to kill the thing that's most alive about us. I want you to think about that for a second. Like this, this, is a, this, this is a convicting word for me. I don't ever get up here and preach sermons for fire life. Like I don't do, I don't prepare that way. Everyone that, that knows me will tell you, like, I don't think like that. I think, Lord, what are you doing in me right now that would be beneficial to the body? And that's how I think about it. And so the Lord's saying, you've got to die, Jared. Like, I'm too familiar with me. I'm too aware of my cravings, my desires, my passions. I'm too aware that I'm hungry physically. I'm too aware that my back hurts. I'm too aware that I don't want to go to that place because it's crowded and I want things to, you know, come on. I'm too aware of my boundaries, And the Lord's saying, I want to kill all of that to where I put you on like a glove and you go wherever I tell you to go. And you eat if I tell you to eat. You're all okay. And so this is what the Lord's calling us to is a purpose-filled life is to die. Because Galatians says that, that I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I mean, that sounds like a good deal. I get to die to Jared, who's who's not smart. Come on, let's all, I don't have a lot of talent. We could all say this of ourselves. I'm not the smartest person. I don't have the most talent. I'm not the best. So I get to die and I get to live through Christ. (laughs) It's a great deal. Yet we come into Christianity and we learn the professionalism of Christianity. 
we learn the religious exercise of Christianity and we don't ever lay ourselves on the altar and just say, God, kill me again. And I feel that the Lord's calling us to that place as a church, like I've got to die. I can't, like what, what it, I must decrease so that he may increase. Like that's what it's about. And I feel like in the world today, if we want to be counterculture, because the kingdom is supposed to be counterculture. We're not supposed to look like the world. We are supposed to be weird. We're the ones that are supposed to be weird. What does is, what is First Peter say? You are a chosen generation. You're peculiar people. <laughs> You're weirdos. Why? Because you, you live so differently than the rest of the people live. Everyone else is looking out for themselves. Everyone else looks at every decision in life on how does it benefit me? But the kingdom says not to think so highly of myself, but to esteem my brother above myself. So when the world sees a group of people, a church, a righteous people rise up and say, I'm not going to live and be conformed to the patterns of this world, Romans 12, right? But I'm going to be renewed by the transforming, the transformation of my mind, the renewing of my mind. I'm going to be transformed. We're going to look so different than the world that they're going to be like, those people are peculiar. They're so weird, but I can't stop looking at them. They're so attractive. I can't think the way they think because the Bible says that the wisdom of the kingdom is foolishness to the world. So when we say things that are ancient truths, they look at us like, you're crazy. But the more they look at us, the more the hunger rises up inside of them that says that's the right way to live. And the world needs Christians to stop being religious, professional, Sunday morning Christians. The world needs people that will lay aside their life, pick up their cross and do whatever Jesus tells them to do. Amen? Amen. All right, we can just go home. That's it. <laughs> you, probably, you probably love me more if I did that. <laughs> we got to read this. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. How many of you are athletes or um, exercise or workout or anything like that ever in your life? Just raise your hand. Now, I was one of the, those athletes that was like, I don't like to exercise or lift weights. I like to play the game because I like to win. Anyone else like that? Like, I didn't do it because I loved to run or lift weights or, or get flexible for baseball. I didn't do it for those reasons. I did it because I wanted to win the game. And that's what Paul's saying here. He goes, do you not know, verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 24, do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Everyone runs, but only one gets the prize. Like, remember, you're like, well, second place, third place. No, the second place is first loser kind of thing, right? That's how I was raised. <laughs> only one gets the real prize. Yeah. Like, only one person wins the Boston Marathon. Yeah. Anyway, he says, so you need to run in such a way that you obtain the prize. Yeah. Run in such a way that you win. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. It's saying they discipline themselves, right? Now they do, <clears throat> they do it to obtain a perishable crown. But what we're going for is not a perishable crown. Therefore, Paul says, I run like this, not with uncertainty. 
Thus, I fight not as one who, who's shadow boxing, who's beating the air and, man, I'm so good. I'm exercising, I'm whooping the air, but not really ever fighting a battle, not ever really entering into a competition. He's saying, don't do that. Discipline your body and bring it under subjection so that lest when I have preached to others, I would disqualify myself. Hmm. Gets me. So what is he saying to us? Some people exercise just because they love to do it. But athletes and people that are competitive exercise because they want to win. Some Christians do things because it's fun. Well, I've got to check the box. I exercised today. I read the word today. I did this today. But, but he wants a people that say, no, I don't do it for that reason. I want to do it because I want to kill a giant today. I want to defeat a giant. I want to win a battle. I want to take some territory for my family. The older I get, I think, I think about that more than any other thing I think about. That I want to win private battles so my sons don't have to fight them. Anyone else? I want to win. I want to win in secret so that openly the Lord can reward me. That's what the Bible says. For what the Father sees done in secret, he will reward you publicly, openly. I want to win. And here's the thing. Not all of us run the same race. Your race is different from my race. Your, your challenge in life, your calling, your purpose, it may be very different from mine, but the goal isn't to beat me in the race. The goal is to finish the race, to do what God called you specifically to do, not to look at everyone else. I think that is probably one of the number one killers of passion in our culture today is that we look at everyone else's life and we compare ourselves to everyone else. And it's the leading cause for depression these days, literally, that they've studied this. And social media has caused the increase of depression and suicidal ideation. It's because we're looking at everyone else's highlights and then we're looking at our lowlights. And we're comparing and it doesn't add up. And we're like, well, they do this and they go there and they got to do that thing. And, and all I do is the nine to five every single day and it's the same thing over and over again. And we've got to stop that. You've got a race to run. Your race is important. It's just as important as those things that we idolize. We have to have a purpose in life. We have to have an aim. We have to have something that we're aimed at and that we go toward with all of our heart. I was sharing this with just this weekend. That thought just rose up. Like, like in life, the only way to really fail is to not aim at something. To not give myself towards something. Like the Bible says that Jesus, when it, came, when it came to the hour, when it came to the season of his life where he was supposed to give himself on the cross, it says that he turned his face toward it and he wouldn't be distracted by anything else. It's like he knew, okay, well, it's, it's coming down to the last few weeks of my life here on earth. And it says that he turned his face toward his calling and he, it was like flint, it says. He turned his face like flint and he was set on his mission. And the Lord's calling us to do that. But you gotta find out what your specific mission is. And the only way you're gonna discover that is, is to ask the maker. Ask the one who fashioned you. 
Ask the one who knows every detail of your life, who knows you better than you know yourself, who even knows how to take the worst parts of your life and make them benefit you. What a good God. Not only does he take the victories of my life to benefit me, he takes the horrible, terrible things that I would never want to go through again. And he says, you know what? I'm going to make this make you stronger. And I'm going to turn it into glory. He does this time and time again. And he knows what I need. He knows what you need even before you can ask him. Come on. He knows your purpose. Ask him. Look, it is, it is his greatest desire to tell you what your purpose is and to lead you toward it with his voice. Now, here's the deal. He's not going to just say, hey, this is your purpose. Go and figure it out. I believe what he does is he goes into our future and he looks back into our present and he calls us forward with his voice. And as we do what he tells us to do, we're moving toward that purpose. He's pulling us. He's not pushing us from behind. He's a good shepherd. See, good shepherds go before the sheep. They see the trouble before the sheep see the trouble. They know the, the, the best route, the best pastures to take them through. And so he goes into our future and he woos us. And it's only when I feel the craving of my heart and I respond to him that I actually step into my purpose. Because only God can initiate anything. <laughs> Did you know that? Like there have been times in my life where I, I feel like, man, I did a really good thing. And I was like, good job, Jared. You, you made a decision to do that thing. And what I'm realizing is I'd never made any decision to do the thing. I heard my father call me. And because I'm his sheep, I hear his voice. And I did what he told me to do. And it made me look wonderful. But all I was doing was responding to his initiation. See, wait, we have to learn and how we will be filled with such purpose is that my heart is to just do whatever he tells me to do. That if I fail him, move to the left, then I just go to the left with him. I don't have to know. We overvalue knowledge and we undervalue faith. We undervalue obedience. We undervalue humility because they're counter to the flesh. What the Lord wants us to learn is he initiates and we just respond to him. And it's so easy. Like think of a time in your life where the Lord initiated something and you just simply responded to him. There was no work involved. Think about it. Like you didn't have to stir up this strength to just do this thing. It was a surrender. Surrender's easy. There's, it's, it, there's nothing on my part to do other than the surrender part. And when we've done that, man, he just takes us to places that we could never have gone on our own. And that's what a purpose life looks like. A purpose-filled life looks like. It's responding to the Lord. Amen? Amen. <sighs> there's a scripture in uh, Proverbs 29. You'll know this probably. I'm gonna read three different versions of it and then I'm probably gonna close out pretty quick on this. I don't want to belabor it, but Proverbs 29, verse 17 and 18, it says, if you correct your son, he will give you rest. I, I think about that as a father, like, okay, I don't worry that my kid's going to do a wrong thing or end up in a horrible place because 
he's had discipline in his life. Like, that's what he's saying here. If you discipline your son, he will reward you with rest. Come on. And then it goes on. It says, yes, he will actually delight your soul. <laughs> and then it says the verse that you're probably going to know. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Other translations say it a little bit differently. It says, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraints. It goes back to 1 Corinthians 9, to discipline ourselves, to restrain ourselves, to run in a way to win. And the only way I can discipline myself properly is to respond to him in my life and to just do whatever he's calling me, calling me to do. And then what I've done is I've restrained myself so that I can be more effective. And this is what he's saying here. If you have vision, like Chris Valentin says this really well, he says vision gives pain purpose. A vision in our life gives pain a purpose. You know, this weekend we had a men's retreat and we got to go around the circle and hear where people were and things they were going through. And, and I loved thinking of Daniel and, and their family and their story um, of, t- of about 10 years of a word from the Lord and not knowing what's gonna happen with that word and where it's gonna come from and how, how it's all gonna work. And they're on the other side of the world and they feel called to another side of the world and all the stuff but you have a vision and it gave all the pain that you went through, all the wondering, it gave it a purpose. Like you weren't just waiting. Like God doesn't waste our time. I feel like I need to say that again. God is not wasting your time. He redeems it. And when we have a vision for our life, it makes the pain have a purpose to it. It makes me endure it because like Jesus, the Bible says of Jesus, for the joy set before him. So Jesus, for the joy set before him. And someone says it like this, we were the joy set before Jesus. So he looked toward us and for the joy of intimacy with us, he endured the cross. Think about that for a minute. Jesus was all man. He knew what he was going to go through. He knew the pain. He actually physically was wounded, beaten, hurt. I cannot, he was beaten worse than any man has ever been beaten. He was mistreated more than any man had ever been mistreated. And he knew it was coming. And he did that for the joy set before him. And that joy was you. That was a relationship with you. Because vision, vision gives pain a purpose. That's the Lord saying you're done. <laughs> it is right at 12 o'clock, so we can, uh, we can call it official. So we'll have, we'll have to come back for part two or maybe part three after today. Um, <clears throat>
love to think about it. Thank you. Amen? Amen. He's for you, not against you. So, Father, we just ask that you would awaken this word in us that, look, if it doesn't produce fruit, it's just words. And it's impossible for you to say anything, Lord, and it not produce fruit. So we expect breakthrough, God. Some people here today, God, are going to receive a revelation and the condemnation and the shame and the feeling less than is going to leave them and never come back. Amen. Come on, if that's you, receive it. You're going to learn, some of you are going to walk out of here with childlike wonder. <laughs> Not with adult worry and responsibilities. I feel that very strongly. It doesn't mean that we don't have things in life that we take care of. But the thing is, I do those things as an offering unto the Lord. Even the mundane things that I'm like, well, that's not my purpose. That's not my calling. That doesn't feel like it fits in, but it's just part of life. Those things can become part of it when we do it as an offering unto the Lord. And when I bring it to him as an offering unto the Lord and I do it with all of my might, it becomes holy. It's the similar concept as the tithe. If I give the 10%, he makes the whole sum holy. I don't know how he does it, but he does it. And so someone here, you feel burdened down with too many responsibilities. And he's not saying to throw those responsibilities aside. He's saying, do them unto me as an offering with joy. <laughs> Come on. And it will convert all the other time that you have into purpose. It will take everything and make it fulfill his purpose for your life. I, re I release that for you if that's you. I feel strongly there's someone here that's like, you're, you're about to step into a, a relationship with him as your father in a way that you couldn't have even, th you couldn't have even thought about. You've never even thought about it, but he's going to come and be your dad. And it's going to be just like that. He's going to be there for, for sage advice. He's going to be present, like you're going to sense him in ways you haven't before, as if he's just right there with you. Man, I'm just getting a picture of it.
forgive me for the, I'm going to say the, it's, it's like, it's like when a dad is teaching a son anything. I'm going to do the, the son, the father son thing first. It was like when a dad is teaching a son how to fish or how to fix something or how to, you know, do the yard or do a job. They just, they're patient and they show them he's going to do that for you. And then it's going to be like a dad with a daughter. But I, I saw God teaching you how to, how to create recipes and cook. So maybe someone here loved, you used to love to cook with your, with your mom or your dad. And the Lord, I just felt like the Lord wants to become familiar like that with you. And he's just going to do these things in life with you. I don't know why I saw those things and I don't know if it makes any sense to anyone. Maybe it will, but I do sense the Lord wants to be really close to us. I love when Shagun read from Philippians, it says that the, it says the Lord is near. Let your gentle, gentleness be known because the Lord is near. And so the Lord is going to be near to you. So I'm just going to ask, ask this question. And if you want prayer specifically from anyone, we're going to have people meet you here at the front. But we're going to make where we are an altar today. And I just want to, I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, am I on, am I on my purpose? Am I on my mission? Or have I gotten distracted? Or have I believed a lie somewhere? And if, if so, Lord, get us back on mission. The Lord is not a taskmaster. Come on. He's a friend. So Father, we ask that you would bring that revelation to us that you are with us. Hmm. Anyone else need to die here? I, I do. Lord, there's still stuff in me that needs to die, God. I don't even need to look for it, but I need your Holy Spirit to reveal it and do surgery. I do not want to be who I am right now. Why don't you just pray for someone close to you? You came with someone, just pray over them, bless them. fulfill your purpose in them. Everyone in here. Whew. I sense a revival. Come on. I sense a revival, God, of purpose, of your yoke is easy and your burden is light. <laughs>
he who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Yeah, we declare this, Father. We believe this, that you began a good work. You will complete it. Because you cannot lie, God. You cannot lie. Whew. Yeah. You're not like us. You cannot lie. So, Father, speak to us from the future. Send your word. Guide us. Lead us. The steps of a righteous man, a righteous woman are ordered by you. You send your word and you lead us. You woo us. Father, I pray that everyone here would feel the call, the, the initiation from your presence, that we would respond to you, God. Stir our hunger for you, God. Stir our passion for you. As we lay our lives down, God, and we pick up our cross. Yeah. Yeah, you're able. Thank you. <clears throat> yeah. Hunger. We opened service with the song, I Belong to You. We're going to close with that. Where you're at, would you pray, Father, I belong to you. I belong to you, God. I am yours and you are mine. Come on. We abide in you and you abide in us. We are your people. We once were not a people, but now we are. <laughs> yeah. And you are a God. You are a king. Yeah. We belong to you. Come on. Thank you so much for being here. We would love to pray over you. If you're sick, 
If you have an issue, if you have something coming up this week, a decision to make, we want to pray because God has answers for you. Uh, He heals people. He delivers people. He gives wisdom. He gives strength to those that need strength. Come on. So if you need anything else, just meet us here at the front. We want to pray over you. We bless you. We pray God did something in your heart today. Uh, In Jesus' name. 